Okay. Let's listen to the black hole one more time. So here's how it's described. NASA released a haunting, it certainly is haunting clip of sound waves rippling out of a supermassive black hole located some 250 million light years away. It's at the center of the Perseus cluster of galaxies and the acoustic waves coming from it have been transposed up to 57 and 58 octaves. So they're audible to our hearing. In a post on Monday, a NASA's Twitter account for its exoplanet program shared an audio clip of that sound of waves of pressure coming from a black hole. Now, someone very correctly pointed out, there is no sound in space. It's a vacuum. How could it be a black hole? I, I'm going to ask that question. Don't you worry. Because there is a Canadian scientist behind those sounds and how they were created. And he joins me now to explain the whole thing. Matt Russo is a physics professor at the University of Toronto and a sonification specialist. Thank you so much for your time tonight. No problem. Glad to be here. So this is this has been uh, quite the phenomenon, has it not? I mean, Going back, I mean, I guess growing up, we've always heard there was no sound in space, but I guess that isn't entirely correct. How so? That's right. That's what's so fascinating about this story is that we all think we know that there's no sound in space because most of it is a vacuum and sound needs a medium to travel in. But there is this very special case where we've been able to detect the presence of sound waves in a far off galaxy cluster. And so we can actually take an image with x-rays and see the imprints of the sound waves in the image. And that's the starting point that will eventually let us, that eventually let us hear a representation of the sound. So I, I gather these sounds are way out of our range, uh, but what? how did you go about figuring out what the sound was or is? So when you look at the X-ray image, we, uh, we know that they are, they're pressure waves. They're enormous pressure waves. They're, they're several tens of thousands of light years across. They would take 10 million years just for one of these waves to pass you. But they were identified as actual pressure waves uh, in a paper several years ago. And that's all the sound is. It's just that those pressure waves are happening at frequencies that are way, way, way too low for our ears to hear. And so our job was to find the shape of those waves and then translate them into the human hearing range. So it's similar to how Animals, uh, animals like elephants can make infrasounds, they can make sounds we can't hear, but we can shift those sounds into the range we can hear to make them audible. Just how, how much beyond our range are these sounds? I gather they're, in, you know, they're infinitely smaller. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, they're about 57 octaves below middle C in music terminology. So what that means is if you go to the lowest note on a piano, and then you imagine eight more lengths of piano longer, that's how low the note would be. That's incredible. So what exactly are we hearing in these videos that were posted? You're hearing a representation of actual low frequency sound waves. So these are waves that are propagating through gas in a distant galaxy cluster. So there is gas there. There's enough gas for sound to travel in. We can see their imprints, which means we can figure out uh, the shape of the waves. And that's what I did with my with my collaborator, Andrew Santaguida, as part of this project for, for the Chandra X-ray team. We found the shape of the waves, and then we translated them to hear a, a representation of the tone of these enormous waves that have been blasting out due to this black hole for billions of years. 
It sounds like a fascinating project for someone who's a uh, an expert in sonifications. So how did what is the process once you had these waves? Uh, how do you put sound to them, or is the sound there? You just have to. Are you an interpreter or a translator? I guess is what I was getting at. Yeah, it's it's a bit of it's a bit of both in this case, which is why um, it's a little hard to explain, and it's this is easily misinterpreted. But what we did is the hard part is actually finding the shape of these waves in the image, propagating in all directions. But then you just have a digital waveform, and it's it's just the same thing that creates normal sounds. We, you can make a digital waveform that represents a sound wave, and then play it through a speaker. This was a waveform that represented a sound wave we can't hear. So we just had to kind of compress the waves or speed them up on, until that that signal could be interpreted with our ears. So what are we hearing when I guess I realize, I mean, when you when you're listening, it, there is differences in pitch and so on, it goes up and down, and there is sort of a musicality to it, uh, that corresponds to what we're looking at. But tell me a bit about the highs and lows of what we're hearing when we see the image of the black hole that you've posted, but also we hear the black hole. Right. So the black hole, it has these giant jets and these kind of blow bubbles in the gas around it. And so those bubbles can sometimes form ripples and that's what generates the sound waves. And they're really strong in some directions, but not others. And so what we did with the sonification is we found the, the representation of those waves pointing in every single direction around the black hole. So we're kind of, uh, we're kind of scanning around the image like a radar to sample the tone of the wave at each point. And in some regions, there's mainly just noise, but in other regions, the wave is, is much clearer and you can hear a strong uh, low hum, which represents the, the actual waves. Once you had interpreted it, um, how did you create the sounds at that point? I mean, how did you come up with, once you've seen the waves, how do you translate that into uh, something that we can actually identify, let's call it as, as sort of music or, or, or something kind of melodic, actually. Uh, well, this one wasn't easy. Um, no this doubt. took several, <laughs> several weeks. <laughs> some other types of sonification involve more artistic freedom and some involve less. This was a really complex one from the start, involved a lot of data processing to, to really cleanly extract that signal, but it's mainly computer programming. It's, um, it's even not too fancy computer programming. It's it's kind of more on the basic side, but it is a bunch of computer programming telling figuring out how to uh, how to to shift the signal and and make it something that can be experienced. So when you first heard it, uh, when you first I guess there were some different iterations of what the final product sounded like, but um, when you first heard it, what did you think? <laughs> oh, I, I just thought it was going to be awesome because we've done several sonifications uh, for NASA. They're, sometimes they're, they're data sonifications representing planet orbits. Uh, sometimes they're representing discoveries over time. And sometimes they're just representing features in an image. But this was different than all of them because this was a real sound wave in space that we are resynthesizing so that we could hear it. And so uh, when I first heard it, uh, I knew it was going to connect with people because Right away, it, it it sounded to me the way I'd expect a black hole to sound. So really, uh, it sounded like because I had no idea what a black <laughs> hole might sound like, but you had some concept of what it might sound like. Uh, yeah, but but that's just my own intuition, right? I, I could have right. we could we could shift it into higher frequencies, and then it wouldn't sound at all uh, as a low rumble. It would be a higher pitched tone. Um, 
but I, I started with it in a nice low range because this is the lowest note we've detected in the universe. And so I thought it made sense to, to keep it at the lower range of our hearing range. Well, the lowest note you've detected in the universe, for all the sonification you've done, this one stands out that way as well. Yeah, because this is the first time when it's the thing we're sonifying starts as a actual sound wave. Right. <laughs> Usually there's more artistic steps involved or it's a matter of converting light into sound or gravitational waves into sound. This was the first time we've done an actual sound back into sound transformation. So what have you made of the reactions? Because there have been a lot of reactions to this. A lot <laughs> of it sort of describes something, uh, let's use the term ominous. You know, people sort of see, hear something a bit uh, scary when they hear this. And I was wondering, looking at it again and listening to it again and again, whether that had more to do with what we were looking at than the sounds itself. Because, you know, I think we think of black holes as being something mysterious and maybe a bit uh threatening uh do you think that played into how people are reacting to the sound at all absolutely when, whenever we do these sonifications we make visuals and we're trying to make them match in some sense so maybe us knowing what the image looked like helped influence the sound a bit but uh, aside from that it's a very mysterious weird image it's a very mysterious weird sound and i think it just really sparked curiosity in people Absolutely. I mean, I've read some incredible, um, you know, the, the sounds you hear in a horror movie when you go into the wrong forest at the wrong time. A billion souls being tortured was another one <laughs> that I read. Yeah. Uh, what have you made of the reactions to them? Is it what you expected? For the most part, it, uh, it it's more than I expected, for sure. I, I knew people would connect with it, but I didn't think it would be on this scale. It's really gone global and, and viral and in every sense of the word. Um, and people really respond to it. Um, uh, the, the only thing I wasn't prepared for, which I, I should have been a little more prepared for, is is how often it would get misinterpreted or misrepresented. And so part of the reaction is people either thinking that it's a, a literal recording of a sound wave, which is, is not possible in this case, or they think it's completely arbitrary, when the reality is, is somewhere in between and it's much more interesting. Right. So, so there has been, I mean, yeah, the moment you put something out there, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get some wrong takes. I have no doubt. Um, what is this? I mean, when you first heard it, did it, does it sound ominous to you or did you hear something beautiful or, you know, I, I was just wondering what, what your reaction to it when you first heard it, just from a musician, from a musical point of view was. I did start with it in that nice low range. So it did sound even uh, it was actually even lower when I first started. I tried to get away with even lower. So it was a really, really low rumble. Um, and it, yeah, it was definitely dark and ominous. And it, it something fit about it. So I, I heard these kind of groans. And, and uh, from there, I just had to kind of make it a little a little thicker, so that it, at least so you could hear it on every speaker, because <laughs> it was too low for my computer speakers at first. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's definitely got that that black hole vibe somehow. So indeed. So beyond the the sort of novelty of it, for instance, and I think a lot of people have been really attracted to the curiosity, as you mentioned. What is the purpose or the the usefulness of of knowing what these sounds sound like, so to speak? Well, this is a a science outreach project. So one of the main goals is just to to bring people's attention, bring their ears and eyes to the fact that there's a case where we've actually detected sound waves in space. So that's a win for me if people hear the sound, look a little further and realize it's actually based on an incredible science story that's been evolving over the last 15 years or so. 
What is that science story, just so that uh, listeners understand? So in about 2003, astronomers uh, saw these images taken by the Chandra X-ray telescope, and they were able to, to filter it in a certain way that brought out clear ripples. And so they noticed these ripples, and then over the next few years, the same scientist and his team started proving that these are actual uh, low-frequency pressure waves, i.e. infrasound, propagating in this galaxy cluster. And so uh, demonstrating that was is an amazing achievement, and I wanted more people to know about it. So this is really the culmination of, uh, of a lot of work, sort of the sonification of, of a very long process. What next? Well, we're always on the lookout for other, other uh, instances of musicality in the universe. Um, but a big part of the, the job is making astronomy accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired. And so we have a few more sets of sonifications on the way that will help blind people experience some famous and iconic imagery that NASA has produced. Anything in particular that you can talk about, or is it still uh, still top secret for now? Uh, one is is top secret, and <laughs> uh, the other <laughs> the other is um, so we do have some sets we're working on with the the Chandra team again on sonifying a uh, a famous galaxy, right. I'm not sure how much more I can say. Well, we could we could leave it at that. We'll just we'll stay we'll st we'll literally we'll stay tuned. <laughs> there you go, yeah, um, Matt right. Russo. Uh, thank you so much for walking us through that fascinating fascinating stuff. Great, thank you.